show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that you spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and we know that it is so easy as we honor men in this place for Father's Day to isolate the audience. So God, I'm asking right now that people would not tune out, that they would listen to your word as it goes forth, that there would be a radical life change that would occur because of truth. God, that we would maul over the things from your word, that we would allow for it to seep into our very being, that we would meditate upon it this week as we leave from this building. As we go forth from these four walls, God, that we would be thinking and dwelling upon your word so that our minds can be renewed and our lives can be a living sacrifice for you. And then I ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The first thing I want us to see here this morning is we need to hear the call to manhood. We need to hear the call to manhood. David is speaking to Solomon here. He's saying, son, what I am saying. There's a conversation that's going on here. I'm about to go, but be strong and show yourself a man. Now, men... Um, I have found in my young 32 years of life that men have selective hearing. Women, would you guys agree with that? Men, it's, it's okay to raise your hand and say, yes, my, men have selective hearing. I am guilty of selective hearing just as much as the next person. I've also discovered something, no offense to my dad who's standing in the back back there, um, I've also discovered that selective hearing is hereditary. Uh, what I received from my father, I gave to our sons. I gave to our sons. It kind of sounds like blame shifting, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's no surprise that that's what the very first man did in the Bible. Blame shift when God called him out. You're not very far into God's word when there's trouble in paradise. When there's trouble in paradise. Sin damages and destroys the perfect relationship that existed between God and man and between Adam and Eve. Perfect relationship. Genesis 3, 9 tells us that when the Lord called unto Adam after, after they had eaten of the fruit, it says that he hid when he heard the voice of God. Why? Because he was naked and he was afraid. Adam hid from God. The moment that sin, the effects of sin were felt, the response was to hide. We talked about this last week. There was a hiding that happened in sin. It's shame. It was fear. Do you know that it says that David or that 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 Adam and Eve walked with God? They were they dwelt in the very presence of who God 
was. But that was something that, that was missing now, and it was because of guilt. David hid himself. Sorry, I don't know why I keep going to David. Adam, Adam hid himself. Do you know that God did not ask Adam the question because he couldn't find Adam? God asked the question of Adam so that Adam would answer. Where are you, Adam? God wanted him to answer. He wanted Adam to think. He wanted Adam to respond to where he was. And like all sinful people, Adam did not go to God and thank God for him. God came to the sinful man. God came to the sinful man. This here, Genesis 3, 9, and 10, destroys every argument that says that man comes to God for salvation. It is there alone that God draws himself, draws people unto himself. John talks about it in the New Testament. There's nothing that man could do that would get him into heaven. It is the only the work of God. God came to confront, to correct, and ultimately get Adam back on course. Do you know that sin causes the inner voice in our life of God to be muted? And instead of fulfilling our mission, we run and we hide we hide and we blame other people for our problems. And right where that is right where men are today in this world. They're hiding and they're not hearing the call to manhood. They're not hearing the call to manhood. Men in our culture and society ignore their role and responsibility. You want to know what statistics show us? That men are vicariously living through their children, through actors, through sports figures, and through successful men who have money. Statistics also show us that men at the top like to self-gratify with substance abuse or pornography. It says that men are workaholics where they will exert and expel all of their energy at work and they will end up becoming abusive, absent, and angry fathers or a combination of all three. One of my favorite pastors and authors, Body Balcom Jr., said that most men define their lives by three things. The ball field, the bedroom, and the billfold. And it's sad because people have become tone deaf to, to God's call to manhood. And when they are deaf and they do not hear the cry of their family, guess what? You hurt your wife and you hurt your children when you do not hear their desperate cry for love and affection from you as a man. You're ruining your sons and your daughters when you don't hear their desperate cry for you as a dad. I remember a time in my life in ministry where things were so crazy and I was at the office day after day after day after day after day for weeks and weeks and weeks because of things that were going on in our last church. And I remember coming home and I love, I love Esther to death, our middle child. She's rambunctious, she's the button pusher, but she is like our mighty child, this mini mighty kid. But she is also the one who feels everything. 
And I remember walking through the doors after like almost three weeks of just constantly being at the church. And I knew I was coming home for a short while and I had to go back. And as I opened up that door and I stepped in, she says, Daddy, are you tucking me in bed tonight? And I just broke, completely broke. And when I got down and I looked her right in the eyes and I said, Honey, I got to go back to the church. She said, why is the church more important than me, Daddy? Six years old. She missed her daddy. She missed her daddy. And my heart crushed in that very moment of time. Because I had negated my role and responsibility as a father first. No ministry, no work, no amount of money, no relationship, nothing compares to the role and responsibility that you've been given as a dad. Your family is your first ministry. Don't ever forget it. Never. How many of you in here know Howard Stern? Show of hands. The shock jock radio man who made millions and millions of dollars on the air. You guys know him? Yeah. He was interviewed several years ago and was asked what motivated him to become a radio show host. And he described how he would ride in the car with his father everywhere his dad would go. And the moment that they got in the car, his dad would flip the radio on, and he would start talking. He'd say, Dad, guess what? Dad this, Dad that. And his dad would be like, Howard, shut up! I'm trying to hear what they're saying on the radio. And he said, as I got older, I realized that maybe I should get on the radio so that my dad would listen to me. Maybe I should get on the radio. My dad would hear me. Men, women, our failure to hear the voice of God affects us and every person around us in our circle of influence in a greater way than you could probably ever imagine. And I believe that's why the, the writer of Hebrews was very plain when he said, Hear God's voice and do not harden your hearts. Listen to the call. Listen to the call. Do you know the word hear is used 347 times in the Bible? And it's all used in regards to receiving God's word. But it says it a little bit differently in this passage. I want you guys to go back with me to verse number four. Verse number four says that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their ways. Number four says to pay close attention. It's a little bit different, but this comes from the Hebrew phrase, Yismerath Hithpael. 
And it means that I have guarded or protected the words that I have received. Things that were given to me. God's word goes forth to us here in this building every single Sunday. Every moment that you open up God's word in a Bible study. Every moment that you read God's word, Sunday through Saturday, for your own personal devotion, we are to receive God's word. Solomon himself showed us just a couple of weeks ago in Proverbs chapter 2, what's the very first thing that he said? My son, if you receive my words, if you receive my words, we are to pay close attention to the things that are being spoken so men in this building do not miss the call here the call to manhood. The second thing I want for us to see is to receive the charge. Receive the charge of manhood. David says to his son Solomon, be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God. What is it? To walk in his ways. To walk in his ways. To keep his statutes, his commandments, his rules and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. One of Israel's greatest leaders, despite his sin and stupidity, was David. The Bible describes David, like I talked about last week, as a man after his own heart. If you've never read David's life in the Bible, I would encourage you to go back and read it. Interesting shepherd boy who killed bear with his bare hands like talk about strength the scrawny little teenager boy who kills wild animals who's anointed to be king who is is raised up to be one of the greatest leaders in israel's history he was the man who united a divided kingdom he was the one who was used greatly by god now, I want you to see something, though. One man's obedience affected his family and every single person around him. I want to read to you one verse from the next chapter over. Solomon is crying out to God in chapter 3. One verse over, and he's praying for wisdom. And what does he say in verse number 6? And Solomon says, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, why? It says, because David walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, in uprightness of heart towards you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son, meaning Solomon, to sit on his throne this day. David's obedience was generational. It affected his son. His son saw every single thing that he did. I've said it before. I've said it to our men, and I'll say it now. More is caught than it's taught. So dads, what are you doing? What are your actions speaking to the people around you? David's obedience was passed on to his son, it was generational, it was perpetual, and it was eternal. It was eternal. Do you know that Jesus was the ultimate example of this? You know Romans 5, 19 is going to come onto the screen for you, and it says, For as by one man's disobedience many 
were made sinners, talking about Adam. But it says, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. He's talking about Jesus Christ. So men, women, followers of Jesus Christ, our obedience to God is vital and it's necessary. And while you and I cannot physically save people, we cannot save people through salvation, we can and have a responsibility and a role to walk in faithfully and point people to the one who can save them, the one who can change them, Jesus Christ. Our actions and our attitudes and our choices and decisions to follow Jesus and to make disciples will influence our families and our children and our culture and the next generation as long as we are obedient and faithful to the call of manhood. Walk with the Lord. Keep my commandments. Keep my statutes and you will be blessed. You will be prosperous. He didn't say that he would give you a lot of money if you followed him. I just told the men on Friday night, Psalm 16 tells us that in God's presence there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. Not something that's fleeting. Not something that wavers up and down. In God's presence is fullness of joy. Do you know one of the early church fathers whose name was Polycarp studied under John himself. He was arrested and he was told to recant his faith in Jesus Christ. And you want to know what he said to his captors? He said, 86 years have I served God and he's done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme his name now? How? And they led him to the center of a coliseum and they were going to burn him at the stake in front of a coliseum full of thousands and thousands of people and they were about to nail his hands to posts before they set him on fire so he would not get away. And he stopped the executioner and he said, you don't need to nail my hands there because the grace of God that's brought me this far will allow me to endure the flames without your nails. He said, you don't have to nail me. I will stand here and die. And as they lit him on fire, he cried out to God and he said, bless you, God, for thinking me worthy of being one of your martyrs. And what happened to Polycarp affected two men over 200 years later. 200 years later in England. You see it yet again Two men, Q. Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. And as they were arrested for sharing their faith, they were brought to the center of the town square. And Latimer turns to Ridley and he says, Be of good cheer, Master Ridley. Play the man. Play the man. And he said, because today a candle will be lit that will never be put out here in England. And they burned both of these men at the stake 
in the center of the town square in front of people because they would not deny Jesus Christ. They received the charge. They heard the call and received the charge. These men, and if you have a chance to go to England, there is still a piece of where they were killed that you can go and see today, and it's a brick cross that was placed right where their bodies were burned. Their sacrifice ignited an entire nation of people to turn towards the Lord. Two men. And though we here in America are not likely to face the prospect of being dragged to the center of the town square and burned alive, our lives should burn bright for Jesus Christ. So men, hear the call. Receive the charge. And make the commitment to manhood. Make the commitment. The writer here said, if you pay close attention to their ways, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. If there's a choice that had to be made. Do you know that growing is a process? And becoming a man is not something that happens overnight. But becoming a man must happen. And at our current rate here in our culture, we have a real crisis of maturity upon our hands. How many of you know who Tony Evans is? Pastor, author, commentator. Tony Evans talks extensively in one of his books about the three hoods. Childhood boyhood, and manhood. And he says that man, manhood, um, today, we have far too many boys in men's bodies who can shave, but they're still stuck in boyhood. They're still stuck in boyhood. Do you know, according to, to statistics, more adults ages 18 to 50 watch the Cartoon Network more than any other channel? 18 to 50. Do you know that readers as old as 35 are buying young adult fiction written expressly for teens under the age of 18? In 1990, the average video gamer was 18. Today, in 2021, the average video gamer is 36. They never grew up. It is no wonder why the National Academy of Science for our government has redefined adolescence as the period of time extending from the onset of puberty, so around the age of 12, to the age of 34. They're saying that me, as a 32-year-old man, is still an adolescence because of statistics that have been written. Beyond that, the MacArthur Foundation went beyond to a major research project that started last year and argued that the transition to adulthood does not end until the age of 40. 25% of American men between the ages of 18 and 30 have never left their mom and dad's house. 
And maybe, just maybe, that helps to explain why 56 million American men between the ages of 18 and 40 watched Spongebob last year on the Cartoon Cartoon Network every single week. 56 million men! These are grown-ups who have not left childhood. But then again, why should they? Movie producer and former Universal Marketing executive Kathy Jones said that there is not a clear delineation of what's for parents and what's for kids. She said that we like the same music, we dress the same ways, These days, fathers and sons dress more alike than ever before. With message emblazoned t-shirts and chunky athletic shoes. You know that the mature male and the trappings of adolescence alone have become more than just a matter of comfort and style. It has become a state of mind for men in our culture It's a reflection of a personality that hasn't fully developed, or better yet, doesn't know how. And as a man who's trying to raise children in this culture, I've noticed over the last 10 years of working in youth ministry, of being in ministry, something else has disappeared. Something else, something has disappeared, and that's an appreciation for maturity. Do you know what comes along with maturity as a man? Forbearance. Honor. Patience. Responsibility. Perspective. Wisdom. Sobriety. Sobriety comes with being a man. Decorum. Manners. These are all things that come with godly manhood. And then the wisdom to know what's appropriate and when. What's appropriate and when. I think Paul summed it up perfectly in 1 Corinthians 13 when he said, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Do you know that the Bible makes it very clear? Leave that verse up for me. The Bible makes it very clear here that childishness is defined in our thinking and in our speaking and in our actions. Do you know that a childish mind is summed up by one Greek word, selfish? The Greek word talked about here, childish, means one who is selfish. One who is filled with self. Do you know that the opposite of that, the one Greek word talked about in the New Testament that is the opposite of childish, where he says, when I put away childish things, I became a man. It is the Greek word meaning sacrifice. Sacrifice. I'm no longer selfish. I now sacrifice. I don't mean to be in this place and sound crass or rude. 
But men, if you want to know what's wrong with our country, the place to start is for us to look in the mirror. We must. The hearts of men and fathers need to be turned towards the Lord. That's what the problem is in our culture and in our country. Our homes will be changed when we seek after God. Our culture and our community and our country will be different when we place God first. So I'm not here, men, to make you feel beat down when you walk out of this place. Because there is great news. It says in this passage that God is faithful to us when we follow Him. Our obedience to the Lord will affect generation after generation after generation. I told you several weeks ago that my kids are fourth generation Christians. Fourth generation because people wanted to follow the Lord. There was a desire to be changed. So guys, fathers, moms, know something before you walk out of this building. God created you. God created you. And Jesus died for you. He has called you. He has charged you. And you have to make a commitment. You have to make the commitment. Do you know, before Jesus' ministry, he was baptized. And something very unique occurred after Jesus' baptism. It says, A voice spoke, saying, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. God affirmed Jesus, showing his devotion to family right out of the gate. He showed his devotion to family. And when Jesus walked away from there and began his ministry by fasting in the desert, what happens? But he is tempted by none other than Satan himself. And what happens in that moment of time? Satan tries to do something. If you go back and read the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Satan tries to call into doubt Jesus' relationship with the Father. He tries to call it into doubt immediately. And then he tried to tempt him to doubt his own identity as the Son of God. And then what did he do last but try to get Jesus to deny, a doubt and deny God through disobedience? Bow to me and I will give you these things. But what did Jesus do? And please do not worry about the water bottle. But what did Jesus do? What did he do in that moment? And do not miss it. He ran to the word. He ran to the word. The truth. And what did he do but begin to speak to the lies and to the doubt? He spoke to the enemy through the word of God. It's the only thing that we have that helps us overcome. Do not forget it. You will never, ever, ever be more like God until you start opening up his word and you start reading it and allowing it to saturate your mind and to change you. 
You can sit in this building all day long, every single Sunday, but until you go out and you commit to living for the Lord Monday through Saturday, you will not be changed. You will look and act like the same exact person. Satan wants you, wants each and every man to doubt Jesus Christ. He wants you to doubt his word. He wants you to doubt your identity and who you are and whose you are. And when we follow the lies of Satan, our families are destroyed and derailed because of us, men. Because of us. Don't give in. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy. Men, take the challenge. Don't miss the call, men. Receive the charge. Commit. Make the commitment to be a godly man. Men, we need one another. We need to lock arms with one another. We need to encourage and spur on to love and to good works. God's word tells us that iron sharpens iron. So men, we have to learn to love and to lead, and we have to learn to flee temptation. And we only do that by hearing, receiving, and making the commitment. And so I want to end a little differently. If you're a man in this building, I'm going to ask of you to put down your pride, to get out of your seat, and to come to this altar so that I can pray over you. So get out of your seat and make the commitment to be a godly man. Come right here. You don't have to kneel if you can't, but I want to pray over all of the men. before I pray women I'm going to ask you to do something this morning I'm going to ask you to pray not loudly out loud but I want you to pray while I'm praying 
I want you to pray over these men that are up here. These men who are saying, I want to make a commitment to be a godly man. We need men to be raised up here in this church as leaders to lead the rest of this congregation, to be prepared for battle. So women, please pray as I pray over these men. God, we, we come to you in this place and we've heard your truth, God, and we want to receive the charge of manhood. We want to take it, we want to grow deep, we want to plant our feet upon your foundation. God, we want our roots to run deep with truth so that we can rise up as godly men here through this church and out into our communities and be men who bring gospel light and hope to a community that is broken and torn apart. God, I pray right now that these men would be armed and ready for battle that they would place the armor upon them every single morning before they step foot outside of their homes, that they would be ready in their minds to battle against the enemy. The enemy wants to tear families apart because of godly men. And God, I'm calling right now for your angels, not only to protect them, but for men to encourage and build up one another so that we can stand side by side and go forth as your sons. God, your word tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not let's grab our guns and our knives. God, it's for us to be right here like these men are upon our knees praying for us, for our families, for our churches, for our leaders. God, do a revival here in the hearts of our men. Start here with me as their leader. God, I pray that your presence would sweep upon us in this place. That we would make commitment to getting into your word. That we would be able to just sit in your presence and allow for you to chisel out of us the bad. I pray for men here to rise up and take their place. And God, just like your word says, just like your word says, if we follow your commandments and your statutes and your ways, we will not lack a man. We will not lack a man. Use the Holy Spirit. Help us not to stiff arm you. Help us to hear the call, to receive the charge, and make the commitment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen.